Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> uh, my name is Frank Loria. As you can see, the plastic surgery went horribly wrong. Nobody at that table over there at, at Teen Challenge laugh. What, y'all not allowed to laugh in church? They're in a church building and they, oh, no, no, no. Uh, my name is Peter Davidson, one of the pastors here at Lakeview. My wife and I have been attending since. For you on TV land, Rooster just said Moses. Rooster knows because he was in the audience. Rooster. Was, oh, that was Andy. Rooster. Look up. Don't participate in a battle of wits and you're only half prepared. So, oh, come on. This is going to be a wonderful. Frank is repenting even as we're speaking tonight. Frank is repenting of asking me to speak. Right, Val? He's repenting. Uh, I do want to make a correction on something that Frank said. I'm not as funny as he is. When you look at Frank, no one is funny as he is. Funny looking. looking it's, this is a rough evening tonight. Come on in, ladies. Y'all come on and sit down. Y'all come on and grab a chair. I've been on staff at the church. The elders are still wondering, how did we do this? Since July of 1990, I have one lovely daughter, four wonderful monsters, or my grandchildren, I call them monsters. My oldest granddaughter is married, and we are doing whatever incantations we can to encourage them to have children. I am ready to be a great-grandfather, ready. Uh, I was born in London, England during World War II, 1943. Yeah, 78, you got it. Linda Pratt was going, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Tonight, we're continuing with the Alpha program. And as we begin, I want to ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. If you want to, you certainly can. I'm not upset when people raise their hand. How many of you have experienced the loss of someone very close to you, a friend, a relative? How many of you have experienced that? The vast majority have. Or perhaps how many of you have experienced your best friend in the world has just moved away and is living in Hawaii? A couple of hands on that. And do you remember the feeling that you had when someone died especially? I want to stop for a moment and ask you to remember how you felt. How you felt. And how you still feel at the loss of your loved one. Because I would dare say that if this is a really close personal relationship, husband, wife, parent, child, you are still feeling the loss. Am I right? And what's wrong here? What are you really feeling? What you're feeling really is the death of a loving relationship. Amen? That's what you're feeling. The death of a loving relationship. 
In fact, that's what we see in, in divorces very often. One of the worst things about a divorce is the two have come together loving one another, and at the end of that period of time, for whatever reason, there's a divorce. And not every time, but so often, it is a grievous thing because it's as if it's a living death. So, if you were able, would you want God to restore that relationship? Well, Linda, I'll pick on you. You're a pretty good target. Everybody knows Linda Pratt's over there? Ray Pratt's was one of the most marvelous men I have ever known. Can anybody say amen? It's okay to say amen. It's okay. Linda, if in some way God wrought a miracle to return Ray to you, would you want him to? Hmm? Yes. Probably most of us under normal circumstances, would want that relationship brought back together. We want that to happen. You remember the night that Jesus was betrayed? The night that he had dinner with his disciples before he goes to the cross. He is going to be arrested. He's going to be tried. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die and he's going to be buried. So the very night that he's together with these men. Now, they have spent three to three and a half years with Jesus. Now, I don't know where everyone in here stands, but I would imagine for the most part, you would say that having Jesus as your close personal friend with whom you walked and talked ate dinner and y'all all were together all the time would probably have been one of the most incredibly marvelous relationships. No one ever spoke like this man. No one ever cared for people like this man cared for people. No one was obedient to God like this man was obedient to God. No man stood against evil and sin like this man stood against evil and sin. This was an entirely unique man. And no one has had a relationship with that kind of a man. Except these disciples during that period of time. And this man is such a loving man that he, he's drawn your heart out of yourself to himself. And so here you're together. You're eating a meal. It's Passover. You're in Jerusalem. And Jesus says this. My children. He's talking to the disciples at the meal. Put yourself in this place. My children. I will not be with you but a little while longer. Oh my God. Where is he? <laughs> What, what's going, mm. Donnie, I'm not going to be with you any longer. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. You remember when your loved one, your friend, passed away. And he tells them, I'm not going to be with you any longer. And he not only tells them, I'm not going to be with you any longer, but Rodney, he says, it's good for you that I'm not going to be with you anymore. Now, what do you think is going through the minds of these disciples? What do you think? How can it be good that Jesus is leaving us? How can that be good? It'd be like Ray saying to you, Linda, Linda, it's good that I'm dying. How can that be? How can it be? Was it good that he left? Was that to their benefit? How must they have felt?
And so Jesus answers them, and he explains to them how it is better if he leaves. Let me read to you from John 14, verses 1 through 3. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Troubled? How can we help but be troubled, BJ? You said you're leaving. We're devastated. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Trust me, trust me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, are many dwelling places, many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I, for I go there to prepare a place for you. I'm leaving. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. So he says, I'm leaving. But then he gives them the encouragement. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And Jesus did come back, didn't he? He came back for 40 days and 40 nights, you remember? But then at the end of that period of time, he ascended into heaven and he's gone away from them again. Now, this is the second time he's left them. But he said, I'm coming back and I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So he has given a promise to his disciples and also to us that Jesus, although he's no longer physically here with us, he is going to be here with us and we're going to be here. We're going to be with him. How is that possible? And that brings us to where we are tonight. Jesus did return to the disciples. And he still does return to us today in the most personal way by giving them and giving us the Holy Spirit. Now, I've spent a few minutes emphasizing this. Because more than anything else tonight, we'll talk a lot about some of the particulars of the Holy Spirit and so on. The most important thing tonight is for you and me to know this. That God himself. God the Father. And God the Son. Have come to dwell. In us and with us. By the Holy Spirit. That's the most important. Truth we have tonight. Someone asked me the other day. We were riding along. And I was giving someone a ride home. And he said, if I had to ask you just for one word of wisdom, I don't know why he asked me that, but still, what would you say? And I said, I would say to you, be aware of, be trusting in, be receiving, be submitting to, be dependent upon. Be obedient to, be speaking with, be listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so let's talk for a few minutes about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, probably most of us were raised in church. Most of us were raised in church. I'm assuming that. And the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. Do you know what I mean by the Trinity? Has Frank used that term before? Right? Hasn't he? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. He is, there is God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is himself fully God in himself, but not by himself. Now that's quizzical. That's difficult. But the reason it's difficult is because it's true about God. Things that are simple are about us. The Holy Spirit is fully God in himself, but he's fully God with God the Father and with God the Son. He is a member of the Godhead, if you would. The Holy Spirit, like the Father and like the Son, possesses all the divine attributes all of the divine attributes that cause God to be God, 
dwell in the Holy Spirit indigenously. They are essential to him as a divine person. As they are with the Father and they are with the Son. So I think we know that, but just to make sure. He is co-equal with the Father and with the Son. Now, I've seen people, I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm a Holy Spirit person. Jesus said, yeah, whatever over here, but I'm really a Holy Spirit. No, no, I'm more of a Jesus. No, I'm the Father. No, you can't do that and be accurate. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are co-equal in every single way. And what distinguishes them is the roles or what they do in relation to creation and in relation to the redemption of mankind. That's what makes the difference. So there are a few scriptures that I'll just probably mention a couple. The first mention of the spirit, do you know where it is? In Genesis what? One. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Do you remember that? And the spirit of God was moving or hovering or vibrating over the surface of the waters. And so in the beginning, before anything was created, at the point of creation, the Holy Spirit is present as a co-participant in the creation. He's divine. He's a member of the Godhead. Acts chapter 5. Some of you may remember in Acts chapter 5, the apostle Peter, the apostles were gathering money from people. They were bringing free will offerings into the uh, uh, apostles so the apostles could use it to minister to the poor and, you know, and help the needs of the people in the church. And so a lady and a husband came up, Ananias and Sapphira, and they said, look, we sold a piece of land and here's what it was that we uh, got for the money, got for the land. And they gave him a particular amount of money. And Peter Peter says, wait a minute. That's not what you received. You've deceived us. It's your money. You could have given all of it or none of it. But you lied. And you said all of this was from the sale of the property. Now, how did Peter know that? Holy Spirit spoke it to him. The Holy Spirit gave him an understanding, a revelation of what was going on. And so listen to what he says. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then a few verses later, he says, you have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. So I think we're pretty settled on that point. Now, the, the most, no, I can't say it that way. The next significant issue about the Holy Spirit that we need to know and that impacts us, at least in our experience the most, is this. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. He's a person. He has personal attributes. He thinks. He has feelings. He has desires. Desiring the will of God for us. He leads. He corrects. He does all of these personal things in us and for us. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are literally receiving the very life of the Lord Jesus himself. You remember what Jesus said? I am going away, but I'm coming back. Now, we may realize, think. Well, there's no way that our relationship with Jesus, I wish I would have been one of the disciples when I would have sat with him and went, been with him and, you know, that kind of a companionship. But the issue there is this, that having Jesus there in the flesh, he's outside of us. He's next to us. He's not as close to us as possibly he could be. But now he's not on the outside of us any longer physically, but he's literally on the inside of us. 
He's literally on the inside of us by the Holy Spirit. And we are now experiencing the very person, the emotions, the feelings, the desires, the leadership, the ministry of Jesus himself in us. I can say this. You know, all of us have fears of something. What we probably recognize at least a particular fear that would be paramount in our life. I'm not going to ask you what it is, but if I were to say, what is your biggest fear? Would anyone be able, we're not going to ask you to do it, but would you be able to say, I can tell you what my biggest fear is. I can tell you what my biggest fear is. Roaches. <laughs> my granddaughter and her husband were in on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And they were in one of these shops. And while they were in there, a roach got on her hair. You know, I didn't know. I, I knew Emily was fast, but I didn't think she was that fast. Two steps, she was out of the building and down the street. Two steps. That should have been an Olympic, uh, what do you call um, uh, What do you call it? Event, yeah. Her husband says to me, well, we'll never be going back to Mississippi again. <laughs> she doesn't like roaches. My biggest fear when I just think about my life, you know, I'm, I'm 78 years old and I, I, I don't dwell on it at all. But I do have to be cognizant of the fact that I'm nearer to leaving the earth than I used to be and maybe nearer than most of you are. There are probably a couple of people in here who are older than I am, but not many. Mike, they're pointing to you back there, brother. <laughs> My biggest fear is this. Losing the experience of God's spirit. You remember in the psalm when David was lamenting his sin with Bathsheba. What did he say about the Holy Spirit to the Lord? Somebody knows. Do not take your spirit from me, away from me. Remember that? David had a lot of issues in his life. He had a lot of concerns. But the bottom line was this. I can survive anything except the loss of the Holy Spirit. For me personally, I have a wife who in my, in my thinking is the most beautiful woman in the world. She really is. We'll be married in April, 54 years. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. She really is. But if she were to die, I can survive it. I have a wonderful daughter. But if she were to die, I can survive that. Donnie, are you following me? You can relate to this, can't you, Judy? If all four of my grandchildren would die, I can survive that. It'd be difficult, but what? I can survive it. Before God himself, I cannot survive and live without the Holy Spirit in my life. Can't do it. Can't do it. He's become the most important person in my life. And I would shudder. If I felt Jean, my wife Jean, did not agree with me, that for her, the presence, the person, the experience of the Holy Spirit in her was the most important person in her life, the most important experience that she has. Literally, for those who have become believers in Jesus Christ, the Spirit is our life. He is our reason for living.
He is our wisdom. He is our hope. You know, the Holy Spirit has a lot of attributes, as we said, and there's a lot of work that the Holy Spirit does in us. But just wanted to share a few personal things with you, although I have a list of things here I might share. As I said, without the leading of the Holy Spirit, our lives mean nothing. I've been pastoring here for a little over 31 years. I met with a lot of folks, with several of you who are in this room tonight. Of course, when I say that, the, the ones that went like this, look, mm -mm. <laughs> I didn't tell on you, you know, you just, mm -mm, like that. <laughs> I met with several. I've been so thankful and so blessed to have been able to be used by God's spirit in premarital counseling. How many years y'all been married? Ten years. Ten years. It can't be. Amy and Sid Bardfield, ten years. You can clap and you can clap. It's okay. It's okay. I'm easy with the, you know, if you want to say amen, jump up and yell, you can. It's, it's fine. You're not going to interrupt me. I used to, I used to teach girls high school English. <laughs> oh, you know. Down in Chalmette. This was in the 60s. And, and I still don't know what they were talking about, that language. <laughs> I still don't understand them. I had to relearn the language their way. Mike, you know what it is to teach. What was I talking about? They've been married 10 years. Done a lot of counseling of people whose sin has overwhelmed them. You know, they're living lives today in many categories. If only I would not have. And I think all of us have categories. You know, I can say this about myself. I, this is not about me. Hopefully it's about the Holy Spirit. If you make it about me, I'd be very upset. I'm on staff here as one of the pastors or elders. Not because I've been so good. But because of what Romans 5.20 says. Romans 5.20. Somebody know what it says? The end of the verse. There are two statements. The second statement. Romans 5.20. Where sin abounds. Gentlemen, you all know what I'm talking about? Hmm? Where sin abounds. Grace. More than abounds. That's why I'm here tonight. That's why I'm here. And in many meetings, I have been overwhelmed with the way the Holy Spirit conducts the meeting. You see, because if you're coming to see me, I'm going to tell you right in the beginning. I don't know how to do anything. I don't know what to tell you. I don't have any wisdom that's mine. You know, that that's I can give you that. I don't have any discernment. I don't have anything. I have nothing for you in myself. But what I do have is this. I have a person in me, not because of the greatness of this old man, but because of the greatness of the grace and the mercy of God in me and for me for his glory that he will speak to you tonight. He will speak to you tonight. So I'm in my office several years ago. And I get a phone call. I'm sorry. That was another meeting. I'll tell you about this one. It's Tuesday morning. I'm doing my work. You didn't think I saw that, did you? I'm doing my work. And a thought comes into my mind. Call... Bill and Susie, they're in premarital counseling. 
Jeff, a thought comes in my mind. Call Bill and Susie. You need to meet with them. Now, do I know what that's about? Do I know? Do you know what it's about? Hmm? No, I was the same way. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a good answer. He, he replied, mm-hmm. but it was an answer. You know, maybe the teeth move. I don't know, but, you know, it was a good answer. I had no idea why I should call these people. This is Tuesday. Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock, for goodness sakes, because he has to go to work. I think had I realized that, I would never have called them. So 7 o'clock, we get together, Gary. They come in and sit down. And the fellow says, why do you want to see us? And I told him, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I don't. What can I tell you? I don't know why I want to see you. All I know is I felt the Holy Spirit say, come in. She looks at him and she says, how did he know? He says, I don't know. And I said, wait, wait. No, what? 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 What are you talking about? What don't I know? I called them Tuesday during the day, 10 o'clock or so. That evening, they had had a knockdown, drag out fight that had put their coming marriage in jeopardy. I knew nothing about it. In fact, it had not even happened when I called them. So I couldn't have gotten the neighbor to say, you need to have these two come in here. I didn't know they were going to have a fight, and I didn't know they did have one. But you see, God's goodness, God's mercy, the love of the Lord Jesus himself for these two who belong to him. And he says, I'm not going to let Satan destroy this that I'm putting together. Call them, old man. Call them. You know, do you understand why I'm sharing this? I want you to get a flavor, literally, of who the Holy Spirit is and what he can do and what he will do. So I'm sitting in the meeting, a follow-up meeting. When I would marry folks, I'd ask them to come in and get, you know, the thousand-mile checkup and so on. You know what I'm talking about. So about a month or two later, you come in and let's see how you're doing. So the two... Husband and wife come in, sit down. Typically, I would start the meeting generally like this. Amy, how are you and Sid doing? Well, you know, we're doing all right. And that's fine. That's typically, you know, that's probably 99.9% of the time I'd start something like this. Caroline, how y'all doing? What's happening? How you feeling? What do you think of one another? So they come in to sit down, and the first thought that comes to my mind, where are you living? Where are you living? Now, why would I ask that? Tell me. I don't know y'all's name, so I can't yell at you. Can someone tell me why I asked that? No, they're married. Why would I say, where are you living? Oh, oh, there you are. Bob, I, I, this was the Holy Spirit saying, ask them this question because it's pertinent to their relationship. I had no idea about this. What am I trying to say? What am I saying? I don't like that. I'm not trying to say anything. I am saying something. What am I saying about the Holy Spirit? He is our wisdom. He is our discernment. He is our guide. He is our helper. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. He is our advocate. This is who he is in us. And in all of us, this, he is conforming us to the very image of God's Son. And he is producing in us the very fruit of the Spirit. What, is, what verse is that, man? The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. 
So I asked them where they're living. She says to him, you told him. It's one of those conversations again. I don't know what's going on. No, I didn't tell him. No, you must have. He couldn't have known. What are we talking about? Before they got married, both of them had owned their own house. And they were in the midst of one of these arguments. Then I don't want to live in your house. You live in mine. No, I want you to. You know, and they're arguing back and forth. Where are they going to live? This has become a real issue between the two of them. Now, do I know that? Hmm? No. What happened? They were so overcome. Not with Peter's brilliance. They were so overcome. Not with my looks, although I understand that. <laughs> Look, I'll take your breath away. They were so overcome with God's care for them. With God's care. That the God of glory would speak to a pastor and speak into their situation, not even knowing what he's talking about. So that he would reveal to them the possibility of ruining their marriage for the purpose of saving their marriage. This is the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to a couple. They're talking, chit-chatting about something, whatever. And I can't even remember what it is. And all of a sudden, listen to me, do not make this about me. What I am explaining to you is for every one of us, every child of God has the same spirit who lived in Jesus. Can you say amen? If you are saved, if you are a child of God, you have the same spirit who lived in Jesus. In Jesus, the same one, and he'll do, except for dying for our sins, the same kind of ministry in us and through us that he did in the Lord Jesus and in the disciples. We have the same spirit that the Paul, Paul and Peter and John and all of these fellows had. If you're a child of God. So it's not about me. It's about something of the Holy Spirit and his ministry. And hopefully, hopefully, your appetite is being whetted. I want this. I want more of this. So I'm sitting listening to this couple talk about, I don't even remember. And it's like I'm looking at a neon light flashing red. Bah, 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 bah. Hypocrite, 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 hypocrite. And I said, I must stop the conversation. Stop what you're saying. Oh, okay. And I said, why am I seeing a flashing sign that says hypocrite? Her head went. God was revealing to them what was about to eat their spirits. I want to end with this. I said the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our counselor. He's the one who teaches the word. In fact, he's the one who dictated the word of God to all these Authors who wrote the word of God. He is the living word of God. I want to say this about one more advocate. John 14, 26. And I will pray the father give you another helper. The word is parakaleo, parakaletos. It means one who comes alongside of to help, to counsel, to advocate, to be the advocate and so on. So he's also the advocate. What do I mean by the advocate? 
What happens when a believer sins? What does Satan do? He's called what? The what? Of the deceivable, what else? Soft with ACC, USER. ACC, USER. What is it? Accuser of the brethren. Remember that in Revelation? Is it 1210? He accuses them what? Day and night before the throne of God. Ha! He sinned. Caught it. Gotcha. You sinned. Your thought, your attitude, whatever. You sinned. So, Dimitri, right? I'm pretty good with names, huh? So he speaks the name of this brother in Christ before the very throne of God. And he says, your son, your son, Dimitri, just sinned. That's Satan's job. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to talk about one another. In fact, when we do, we are co-workers with Satan. And the Holy Spirit steps up. And Jesus steps up. Because what does 1 John 1, 9 say? If anyone sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is a propitiation, the sin bearing, the one who has paid for our sin. Propitiation for the sin of our sin and also for the sin of the whole world. Remember that verse? Do y'all do have to know that verse? It's a good one. And in me, I realize I've just sinned. It may be a horrible sin. It may be what you would call a little bitty sin, whatever it is. But I've sinned. All of a sudden, I feel what? Guilty and so on. And the advocate reminds me of this. He says, Peter, you did sin. Confess it. Yes, Lord, I am wrong. But then he reminds me, I am a forgiven sinner. I've been forgiven. And because I have been forgiven, therefore, listen to what I'm going to say and how I'm saying it. Listen to what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. Because I am a forgiven sinner, therefore, the Holy Spirit can lead me to repent of my sin. In order to cleanse me from the pollution and the defilement and the rechaining of my heart to sin. There's no friend better than the Holy Spirit. The only way we know God, the only way we understand God, the only way we walk with God, etc., etc., is because we have the Holy Spirit. So what should our goal be? Our goal should be every day, consciously, consistently, passionately, ask, first of all, acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge Him. I have come to the place in my own life. I'm walking out the house. I'm walking out the door of the house and I need to take something with me. And about halfway to the truck, I realize, oh, I forgot such and such. Mm. Who told me that? Who told me that? Hmm? Speak up. Y'all can speak up. Holy Spirit told me. And so what I've learned to do is to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is absolutely changing the way I live. All of these constant chats, impressions, comments, warnings, directions. The Holy Spirit simply is more chatty than I am. Thank God. And I'm learning still. To constantly acknowledge and thank him and then ask for more, 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 and more. How many of you mamas would be upset 
if your child says, Mama, I want to love you more. <laughs> no, you love me enough, right? Does he love you enough? Would you want more? Never, Never enough. Never. Never enough. When I see my grandson who's 26, year old, 26 years old, he deadlifts 500 pounds. He's this tall and he's strong. He greets me with a big kiss. I greet him with a kiss and I hug him. And I call him sweetheart. And there ain't nothing sweetheart about him. I love this man. I love my girls. But I don't even love them beginning to love them as much as God loves us by the Spirit. You'll never be lonely. You'll never be forgotten. You're constantly cared for, watched over, protected, led, provided for by God's Spirit. Tonight as we close, and we'll take a break in a moment. Make a decision tonight. Holy Spirit, please remind me to acknowledge you and to thank you and to constantly seek your presence. Make this a priority in your life. I don't have enough wisdom about tomorrow, even by 8 o'clock. I don't know what's going to be happening. But he does because he's in the tomorrow and he has the mind of God. He prays for us. He intercedes for us. He is reproducing us in us the very love of the Lord Jesus. This incredible Holy Spirit. I can't say enough. I just hope tonight for one thing. That he has given you or beginning to give you or increased in you. An experience, a yearning, a desire. To want him more and more. Amen. As we break before, as we go before the break, a couple of things. The retreat is this weekend. Has Frank been talking to you about the retreat? If you've not signed up, we want to see all of you at the retreat. We're going to be here Friday night for dinner, just like tonight. And we're going to talk about the principal work of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to come back Saturday morning and we're going to be talking about empowered by the Spirit. Satan is going to put all kind of stuff in front of you not to come. You just have to make the decision. Not am I worth it? Is God worth giving over that couple of hours Saturday and Friday? Is it possible that he'll minister to me in a deep way that I've needed all my life and free me from a bondage? Give me the direction that I've needed. Heal me. Could it be? So if you, if you can, and probably most of us can, be with us this weekend. If you haven't signed up, this is a sign-up sheet. And I think that's the only announcement. Frank, hope you're having fun on your relaxing conference. He's at the pastor's conference. No, I didn't go because that would ruin the conference. So that's what happened. So here I am. And don't tell them I said this. I'd rather be here anyway. No, I really would. You know, I can. After I pray, we break up for a few minutes, I think, to take a little break. And then we come back and have table talk. Is that correct, Bob? Where's Bob? I know you're here. Is that correct? Any questions? I know we may not should be allowed to have questions, but any question, anything at all before we pray? Is everything okay with everybody? Okay. Father, Father, what a God you are. 
the Lord Jesus has come from the pristine halls of heaven. He who is the glory of creation and has stepped into the mud and mire and filth of our sin, bearing it all to the cross, being ridiculed, rejected, hated, spit upon, beaten, crucified, whipped, and dying. Why? Because it was your glorious purpose to place your spirit in us so that we would be the people of your love and of your glory. Father, thank you that we are here tonight as yours by the gift of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for this group. Father, those who don't know you, that may be someone here who hasn't yet been saved, hasn't been brought into the kingdom of God by the Holy Spirit. I pray that that will either happen tonight or this weekend. Father, for those who are yours, Father, that you would make your personal presence so vitally active, experienced with great joy and peace. Father, that we would be so overwhelmed by how lovely and great you are. Father, thank you for ministering by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here, always with us, always ministering, always loving us, always developing and growing the very life of our Lord Jesus in us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So take a break and come on back.